Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What is up? What is up? What is up? Season is back, and you know what that means. It is time for the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com, and it's brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Welcome in, everybody. We are glad to see you. It's fall. Daylight saving time has has happened with his or has ended. I guess it's the absolute worst. I don't know. Is it guys? Does daylight does daylight saving time end in the fall or does it begin in the fall? Which one is it? Are you trying to save time when you set the clock for? I don't understand. I just know it sucks. Oh, I just know I say daylight saving time, not savings. specifically because of you. You're yeah, the only reason saving. that I don't say savings. You're saving one daylight. You're not saving. <laughs> you're not saving different sorts of daylights uh sean which one is it is it, is it restarting daylight saving time or is it what do you know you're on the west coast i, guys, I, I was just i was just, the sun go down. I was just happy to get a get an extra hour of sleep awesome well us us with kids don't get such luxuries but uh, i'm joey powell appreciate you guys joining us sean moran is here sean how are you pretty good good to be back yeah man glad to have you sherelle mcmillan is here really mac what's up dude Yes, to your point, this has been the longest day of all time with two children under five. Yeah, they've been up since like 5.45 or something. Biggest prank the devil ever pulled was that whole <laughs> setting the clocks back and forth garbage. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you guys joining us today. Hey, listen, if you have not, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Subscribe it so you get the contact uh, content automatically sent to whatever platform you listen to us. But rate and review because that really helps us. It helps Inside Carolina. Helps the uh, the advertisers and the algorithm there, uh, which helps bump us up, which helps us all, you know, produce more content, get more ad revenue, and make a better product for all of you listeners and viewers out there. For Don't want to forget the folks on YouTube. Out there in the inside Carolina world. Well, look, as I mentioned, daylight saving time. We're officially in fall now. Uh, the calendar has turned over to November, which means basketball is back and in full throat. What does that mean for the Tar Heels? Well, specifically with the inside Carolina coverage that you have seen over the last few months, um, it's getting ready to be signing day. And this coming Wednesday, we will celebrate signing day. And North Carolina plans on signing four players. Tyler Nickel, uh, Will Shaver, Seth Trimble, and Jalen Washington will all ink with the Tar Heels. Sean, you have done a great job of doing previews for all of these guys' games individually. I would uh, hearken our listeners to check that out go back and see the write-ups that Sean has done about their games. But, Sean, I want you to give me kind of a two-minute synopsis of each one of these guys. And after you give me the two-minute synopsis, I'll tell you the player. Cheryl, if you could just kind of mention, uh, you know, what maybe the the selling point was for that player to end up in Chapel Hill, right? We're going to go in alphabetical order because that's easiest for my small brain. Uh, first off, let's go with the, the last commitment, Tyler Nickel. Sean, what, what can you say about him? And, again, for each one, give us a synopsis and then, like, whatever their main one skill is uh, that fans are going to see and, and kind of know them for when, when they get to Chapel Hill. 
Sure. So as you mentioned, Tyler Nickel, the last last one to sign. Um, you know, in terms of the skill, I don't know if I don't know if it's memory, but it's at least going to be the skill that will be most present early on. And for Tyler Nickel, it's really his hesitation um, move into kind of a three point shot. So he, he loves to do that, freeze a defender, and that that gives him a little bit of space to get his to get his shot off. Um, you know, I think one word that describes him is tough. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a big, you know, six, seven, six, eight strong kid that plays on the perimeter. Uh, but he can, he can get to the basket too. He's not going to, you know, go, go three different moves to get there. He's going to, he's going to go, go straight line and try to get to the basket. Um, you know, right now, I think, you know, he can play a few different positions on defense between the three and the four, depending on, on how UNC wants to play. I think in terms of his improvement points, um, I think this will be a common refrain throughout for, for three of the four, but just athleticism um, and agility in terms of uh, getting better at. But he's a, he's a tough kid, and, and he's going to be one that, that plays extremely hard and, and will fit that mantra of shooting. Awesome. Sherelle, what led Tyler Nickel from Rockingham County, Virginia, uh, to Chapel Hill you know, when he signs on Wednesday? I think it was a combination of North Carolina's prestige and the opportunity that, you know, Hubert Davis and the staff sold him on to play meaningful minutes early and the fact that they need more scoring from the wing. So I think it's those three things. Uh, Really, you know, he's someone who came to their attention earlier this year. And I I won't say they slow played him, but they really went after Cam Whitmore pretty hard and kind of kept Nickel at bay. And once, you know, Whitmore kind of seemed like it was going the other direction. They really, really uh, hammered home to Nickel that he had an opportunity to play at UNC. Um, so I think it was that really the official visit, um, and then the fact that he just you know it's North Carolina basketball. I think um, in the past he's the type of player who they would have moved on from early, <clears throat> and probably would have committed to Virginia Tech, who was kind of his second choice. So um, just a, a good job by Hebert Davis and his staff on keeping somebody. Uh, who was maybe a, a secondary target at one point, mm-hmm. kind of keeping them uh, in the loop and being honest with them and giving them opportunity when it, when it came. Yeah, we've heard that honesty refrain from parents and uh, folks around some of these commitments. They've, they've talked about Hubert Davis's honesty being one of, the, one of his most paramount qualities. All right, Sean, next one, uh, Will Shaver. And I do want to point out, Sherelle, I love that you elaborate when it get to you, but Will Shaver will be uh, an early enrollee kind of similar to what you see from, from football signees where they, they'll sign in the winter and then show up on campus for spring semester. Sean, what can you tell us about Shaver? Uh, well, Shaver, um, you know, right now is size 6'10", 6'11", but in terms of, you know, the one, one thing that fans will know him for, I think, is his catch-and-shoot ability, um, even, even with his size. So I got to watch him a good amount this summer down in Dallas. And, you know, that was on display from, from, you know, always being, being ready, whether it was on the perimeter or even in the post, he's, he has his hands up. He has a good set of hands um, and he can, and he can shoot the ball Uh, from a post perspective, you know, still needs, I'd say kind of a go-to, a go-to move, but he's pretty comfortable turning and facing um, shooting from, from 10 to 15 as well. And, you know, once again, I think, he is, I mean, he is the lowest ranked recruit out of the four, uh, but I think him getting into Chapel Hill for the, the, the January semester will just pay dividends down the road because he's more of a long-term project, you know, two, three years down the line in terms of what he can contribute. So the earlier uh, that process begins, the better. And the one skill for him, is is it his hands? 
Well, I'd say the I'd say his catch and shoot ability is really that primary primary kind of skill uh, skill set. Okay, Sherell, uh, first guy to sign for Hubert Davis after Hubert Davis had uh had become the coach, made the offer. I think June first was actually the day that he he committed, if I'm correct. But tell us a little bit about Shaver's commitment and what that early enrollee process would look like, because it is still uh, not something that's common with basketball, or at least it's not common with North Carolina basketball. Yeah, so he officially visited on June 1st, which was the first time kids could take official visits mm-hmm. since COVID, the COVID pandemic started, and then he committed the next day. So he kind of knew going in what he wanted to do. So he's the first high school commitment um, of Hubert Davis's tenure, um, and he'll go, he'll enroll in January. So basically, they, you know, they came to him and said, hey, we think we're going to have a scholarship open. Would you be interested in coming in January? Because um, his academic situation is one that would, you know, he could do that. And it's funny because to me, that was one of the first things that kind of differentiated Hubert Davis and Roy Williams, because typically that 13th scholarship always, always, always went to kind of a rotation uh, of walk-ons because, you know, uh, Coach Williams wanted to reward them. In this case, UNC saw a chance to get Shaver in early to kind of get him in the weight room and get him familiar with college. And, you know, they, they jumped on it. Um, so he'll still sign on Wednesday um, like everyone else. And then he'll enroll in January. He'll be a part of the team. Um, I doubt he'll, he'll play because he can redshirt um, that semester and then, you know, come back in the fall as a redshirt freshman. Um, so I think that's the plan is just get him in and get him used to everything. And then he'll have a better chance of contributing early. Um, because he'll have that six-month head start on the rest of the freshmen. you got to think about what a great opportunity it'll be for somebody like Will. And we've had these guys on this podcast before, everybody except for Tyler Nickel. Um, I think it'll be really neat to see a player like that get on campus and get a chance to you know, practice up against some really premier older guys. And when I say older, like guys that have been in the program for three or four years, I'm assuming he can practice, correct? Yes, he's so, he's a hundred percent member of the team. Yeah, so he'll get a chance to to body up against some of those guys and see what it's like to see some some really good footwork in a guy like Armando Bicot and uh, and see what a you know a, what a rangy player like a Dawson Garcia can do or what a what a, a really smooth shooter like like Brady Manning can do. I think it's going to be really interesting for North Carolina fans to be able to watch his progression, especially getting that extra few months on campus and and just like like Sean said, just getting ahead of the game. Uh, next one. Seth Trimble, uh, Minamani Falls, Wisconsin, was somebody – Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. North Carolina's been plucking from Minnesota and Wisconsin so much lately. <laughs> I'm, they're all running together. But up there in the Great Lakes area, uh, Seth Trimble, uh, brother of J.P. Tokato, UNC, a former player and um, you know a guy that played a lot of minutes uh, for Roy Williams. Sean, what's his number one skill? And then kind of give us the, 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 the two-minute once-over of his game. Number one skill. I mean, I think, uh, you know, when, when we had him on the podcast, uh, he, he kind of mentioned it when we were talking about you have the ball with a few seconds left, what's your go-to move. And, and he said, he's going to, you know, drive, drive hard. And, and he's comfortable pulling up from, you know, 15, 18 feet for kind of that mid range jump shot. So I'd say, you know, in terms of his skill set, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about how some of the other Guys need to work on their agility, agility, athleticism. That, that's definitely not the case for for Trimble, who, uh, you know, when he jumps off of two feet, it reminds you of, of JP Tokido jumping off of two feet as well. Obviously, there's a little bit of a size difference, but he, he can get to the rim. Uh, he has a great first step, and he can, you know, he can finish at the rim. Um, but going back to kind of that skill set, I think right now he's comfortable, uh, you know, putting the defender on his heels and 
you know, once again, just when he gets to that kind of mid range, being able to being able to pull up um, and have kind of a clean open look in terms of improving, you know, improvement points. Once again, it's a, it's kind of extending that range. So he, you know, he's capable of, of hitting the three right now, but uh, you know, he'll, he'll need to kind of continue to work on that consistency throughout his senior year uh, just so that defenders aren't, aren't continuously going under the screens when he does get to Chapel Hill. But uh, you know, he's kind of that, you know, athletic, uh, you know, strong point guard that can cause a lot of damage offensively. And then defensively, he can, uh, he can get up in you and kind of guard you full court. So he can put a lot of on-ball pressure um, on the opponent. Listen, I know I'm not supposed to do this and I might rub some folks the wrong way, but I'm absolutely a stand for all of the Seth Trimble video that keeps coming out. Uh, <laughs> you keep seeing more and more of it. I feel like every week and, uh, you made a great point, Sean. His athleticism is is just fun to watch. Again, he, you can tell just when he he does that two footed jump, that especially when he brings his his one arm back, he does look like his brother. Um, but I am a stand for all of the all of the mixtape video that that comes out from from Seth Trimble. Uh, Sherelle, you want to reset that recruitment? How it ended up? I mean, I think a lot of Tar Heel fans would say, well, of course he came here because you know, he's JP's brother. By the same token, that's not the way it always goes. Yeah. Uh... Really heading into May, I think most folks who follow recruiting thought he was going to Michigan. That seemed to be the leader. You know, they had offered him early. Um, they had, you know, bid on him pretty hard. And then Hubert Davis comes in and offers and secures an official visit. And during the official visit, you know, he commits to UNC. Um, so I think it really, this, this class in general, and I guess we'll talk about it later, but I think they did a good job of identifying players who maybe were predisposed to liking UNC a little more than others. Um, and once they identified them, they did a great job in closing them. And, and just by closing them, I mean, you know, using whatever means they have, whether it was offers to other players or timelines or whatever to, to make sure that they secured the commitment. I think that's what happened with Trimble. And, you know, it turns out he's probably going to be, he, or he's going to be the highest rated player from this class. And he's probably going to be the one who has the most impact, I would say as a freshman. And to Sean's point, I, I think for him defensively, we, we've seen it. it's just one exhibition game, but from what we've heard and what Hebrew Davis has said on the ball pressure is going to be really important for him and how his defense plays. And I think Trimble really, really high upside as a defender um, just because of the athleticism that Sean talked about um, and then the poise. And then, um, you know, he's just, he plays with confidence. Um, him and Nickel have a lot of confidence and I think it shows on the court. Uh, so I, I'm very, very bullish on uh, Trimble as the defender. I think he can really make an impact there as a freshman. Yeah, hand in glove, man. I love that you mentioned that. I also, I like the frame you used there when you talked about these players' predisposition to like North Carolina. What's the old adage about, you know, you date who will date you? And I think that's that's pretty much what what the staff did here, and I, I love that you kind of put it that way. I think it's um, it's a lot easier, you know, it kind of it, it makes it lower-hanging fruit if you're looking for folks that have, you know, commonality and I, I like you, do you like me type stuff. All right, last one for the class, uh, Jalen Washington. Sean, hit us up. Um, one, one thing real quick, just to go back to, to Trimble, but you talked about him being the highest rated player in the class currently, but when they offered him, he was ranked, I think, number 102, um, by, by 24 seven, obviously, you know, they, they hadn't updated yet, but once again, that kind of goes to, I think UNC's ability to, you know, to find the players and not worry too much about, you know, who's in the top, you know, 15, 25, um, and we got to see his rise, but in terms of uh, Jalen Washington, you know, he was the highest ranked player at the time of 
at the time of offer. Um, he's since gone down a little bit, uh, I think in large part due to, to the injury that's going to cost him his senior year. Um, so in terms of skill set and really the one thing that, you know, kind of one takeaway is, is his, abil his ability to face up. So he loves to catch the ball kind of high post, uh, 15, 17 feet, face up the defender, and he's pretty much automatic from that spot. Uh, but you can also see him, saw him a lot over the spring and summer, um, you know, getting the ball, giving it to the point guard to push up, and then acting as a trailer and coming down, catching and shooting from the three-point line and being pretty, pretty comfortable at that. Um, you know, in terms of the post, he can definitely, he can score in the post, similar to Shaver, just trying to establish that go-to move, I think will be important in the long run. And then defensively, he's so long, I think, you know, it's around a 7-4 wingspan where, you know, he's going to be the shot blocker of the group. Um, and I think the main thing for him is is getting, getting healthy. Um, and hopefully with that health, uh, once again, kind of that agility and explosiveness can, can come with it. Uh, because he has a lot of skill, um, but in terms of just kind of the, the movement and being able to play in the pick and roll and, and switching, I think will be important, especially given uh, what we've seen so far from UNC. Sherelle, uh, two-parter here. Talk a little bit about, of course, how, um, and I hate doing talk about, I'm sorry, I just felt, <laughs> felt like <laughs> one of my own verbal crutches, but um, if you could elaborate a little bit on Jalen Washington getting to Chapel Hill and how he became a commitment in this class, but then if you want to share a little bit about what you know, what may be out there on how this um, how this injury developed or uh, redeveloped or came back, how, however we want to phrase that. So, yeah, he is another person who visited at the very beginning of June. So Will Shaver visited on first and committed on June 2nd, uh, kind of in the mid-afternoon. Jalen Washington arrived on June 2nd that evening. And even though he didn't verbally commit to UNC, he knew where he was going. He told us that he knew where he was going the second UNC offered him. So again, guys who are predisposed to really like UNC. Um, and I think he just trusted Hubert Davis and kind of the vision that he has for his front court. Um, guys who are able to play, you know, who are able to face and space and post. Guys who can do all three things, versatile bigs. Um, that really caught his attention. <clears throat> as far as his injury, so um, he's had a, a, a pretty uh, season with a torn ACL. And, you know, he had surgery, got it fixed, or, or so he thought, played the entire year as a junior, played the entire summer. And then at the MBPA camp in Orlando this past July, um, he felt something and he just felt like something wasn't right. And so um, the trainer said there, said, you need to go and, and have an MRI. And he did it. And it basically came back. And after talking to multiple doctors and getting second opinions, basically his ACL surgery the first time wasn't 100% correct and wasn't 100% healed, which caused another injury as well as uh, um, the, the ACL injury he had was still there. So basically he had two injuries in one because the first injury wasn't fixed. And so um, they're confident he had surgery on September 29th. They're confident that everything is fixed this time and that he can make, you know, 100% uh, recovery. And I think to me, it, it basically how he develops, like if, if he gets healthy and becomes what he was before and, and gets some of his athleticism back, this class goes from, you know, solid to, to really, really good. If he doesn't, then it's, it's a solid class, but he kind of really is the X factor because if he gets healthy, he's a really good player. And, um, you know, that's a kind of a steal for Hebert Davis as a top 43 when really he's a, you know, he's been a top 25 guy his entire high school career. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's something a lot of folks – 
uh, may have had a little bit of a side eye about when he dropped in the rankings this summer. But I think you and Sean laid it out really well that you know he wasn't when he was playing. He was not playing at him. You know, folks had not seen him at his best, and I think it's important to kind of consider that that now he's. He's got everything cleaned up and repaired and, and we'll be rehabbing back to hopefully that 100%. All right, guys, um, before we move on from this class and on signing day, uh, give me two words each. Uh, and so I'm going to let you alternate, but you can't take each other's words. Give me two words to describe this class for Hubert Davis. Sean, give me one word. Solid. Solid. Sherelle, give me a word. Spacing. Spacing. Mm-hmm. All right. Sean, give me another word. Uh, long-term. Long-term. All right. So you see me, some of these guys being on campus for a while? Yeah. Okay. I think uh, Trimble being maybe the, the one question mark. Okay. Sherelle, last one. Confident. As in all four guys uh, in their own different ways are extremely confident in their abilities. In the I show. remember you saying that about Nickel, too, when we first did the uh, – we first did the breakdown of his game, and then after, once he committed, we did that podcast. I remember you were just blown away by how confident the, that kid is. By far the most confident player I've ever covered. Like, at least outwardly confident player I've ever covered. And that says by a lot, far. right? Yeah. I know you've been around a lot of these kids that not only came to North Carolina, but, you know, that, that went elsewhere. Like, that, that says a lot. All right, fellas. Uh, I want to take a quick break. Give some love to our friends at Johnny T-Shirt, because, you know, as soon as these boys get to campus, and I said it when we had them on the podcast – as soon as these guys get to campus, they're going to Johnny T-Shirt. They're going to stop by East Franklin Street there in Chapel Hill. Uh, they might have already ordered some things online and had them sent to family and or friends uh, because Johnny T-Shirt can ship with the best of them. But you know, it's now winter. I mentioned earlier, it, we're, we're getting into the, the shortest of, of short days out there. If you went to the homecoming football game this past weekend, you know it was a it was a little bit chilly out there, so you needed a layer. Well, Johnny T-Shirt has your layers. Um, just big fans of those folks. They support Inside Carolina. We want you to support them. Inside Carolina premium subscribers know they get the extra 10% off of the top of their order. Get that code off the premium message boards and use it. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Go check them out. Make sure that you are sending them your business because we appreciate them and want you to appreciate them as well. We're going to take a break. Uh, let some of the national guys come in here and drop their advertisements. Uh, to help pay the bills. We'll be back right after this break to talk a little bit about offers out for the 23 class and talking about actual Tar Heel basketball on the hardwood. We'll be right back. Stick around. Hey, guys, this is Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, and I want to talk to you about Inside Carolina's new podcast sponsor. It's Blue Shark Vodka. Blue Shark Vodka is a family-owned vodka company based out of Wilmington and Wrightsville, North Carolina. It's available in all 100 counties. And the thing about Blue Shark Vodka is it's the smoothest vodka in the world. It's made with sweet North Carolina corn to create the world's smoothest vodka. It's been distilled four times and then mellowed for 28 days to create that full blooming and awaking flavor. Each batch is in triple filtered, giving it a smooth, clean finish and it eliminates any of the alcohol bite. Guys, I've been using it recently with some soda water, fruit juice, little lime juice. It's great for tailgates. It's light. It's smooth, and it's an award-winning premium vodka from North Carolina, local and family-owned, and it's available, once again, in all 100 counties. So head to your local ABC store to check out Blue Shark Vodka. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome back. We appreciate you being here for the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Sean Moran there, Sherelle McMillan there. I'm Joey Powell. We appreciate you being here. We've talked about signing day and who will be the newest guys uh, to sign on the line that is dotted for Hubert Davis. Let's talk about some guys that have offers, and one actually has given his commitment to uh, to North Carolina, and Simeon Wilcher, class of 23, we did his commitment. He committed back during late night. It was a bit of a, bit of a surprise for everybody. Uh, Sherelle, anything new on that front that we want to talk about, or just does it continue to be a, a big surprise and a big hit with maybe some of the other prospects that are on North Carolina's board? Yeah, still a big surprise. Uh, still, you know, I guess three weeks later, kind of like, wow, that happened all on <laughs> the day of late night. Uh, it was a busy night. But, uh, you know, I've talked to to Wilcher and, and his folks since then, and they basically said that um, they, they really just talking with Hubert Davis over the last few weeks has really just confirmed the decision that they had already made. Um, talking about lots of 45-minute conversations, 50-minute hour conversations about basketball, but also about life and just how thrilled they are to get ready to, to head down to Chapel Hill in a year and a half. So um, all good on, on that front. And uh, he starts his season in December. And I think there's going to be opportunities for Carolina fans to watch him several times uh, during the season. So I don't want to spoil anything, but I think all there's right. going to be lots of opportunities for, right. for Carolina fans to see him. Like to hear that. I'm sure our listeners and uh, I see subscribers will also like to hear that. Uh, Sean, have you had a chance to spend any more time watching Wilcher tape now that he's officially not only on the radar, but, you know, a, a verbal commitment for the 23 class? Yeah, and he, and he is a guy I'm hopeful to see uh, in person. You know, I think was able to go back and watch, you know, more of his film last year from high school where, uh, you know, he was a he was a sophomore on a, on a pretty talented team. So he had a you know very integral role on their offense, but he wasn't. I would say kind of the go-to guy. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, how he does, um, you know, kind of with the ball in his hands a little bit more and a little bit more expected of him offensively. You know, I think you can see the talent is there from, you know, the ball handling and the ability to break down the defender and, and even kind of the shooting stroke in the range. Uh, but I, I think not that the jury is jury's out, but it, it's, I just want to see him a little bit more in that kind of go-to go-to role. And I know, you know, in the fall, uh, they've been playing a lot. Uh, so you've been able to see a little bit more on YouTube, um, some, you know, not full game clips, but a little bit more than just, uh, just highlights. Um, so I think once again, it's, it's always interesting going from, you know, watching the highlights of a player to the full game and, and seeing some of the things you obviously didn't see in the, in the highlights, but a uh, talented player uh, and one that, you know, I think will, you know, especially as a combo guard, will bring some scoring and ability to get to the basket to UNC. Um, and I think he's going to have some big time matchups, uh, you know, coming up in high school uh, for for everybody to, to watch. I think that dynamic is important, and I appreciate you lifting that up. You know, when you go from being a guy with a bunch of dudes on your squad and then, you know, as as guys graduate and move on, uh, till you become the actual alpha, you know, where you're the guy where more is expected of you, more is placed on your shoulders uh, based on your role within the team dynamic. That That is interesting. And, it, it again, it, it tells a lot more about what the finished product 
being that player or prospect when they get out of the high school setting and actually get to a college campus. It tells a lot more about, about what you're getting um, you know, for, for a coaching staff in college. Sherelle, hit me up with some Gigi Jackson news, man. I know you, you graced the, the premium message boards with a, a little note earlier this week about some uh, official visits for Gigi. Yeah, so he, since the North Carolina visit, they've kind of been trying to figure out what schools they want to visit um, and, and finalizing those dates. The, originally, they had planned to uh, go to Georgetown this past weekend, uh, but something came up at uh, Gigi's father's church. Gigi's father's a pastor. Um, so something came up at, at his church and they couldn't do it. Hey, so they scheduled. God's going to mess up your schedule. You got to <laughs> let God mess up your schedule, right? Yeah, for sure. So they've scheduled three uh, visits now. So they are going to uh, Virginia. Uh, I believe that date, I, I, we talked about it off air and I still forget the date. It's the third weekend in November. Um, so today's the 15th, 6th. Uh, I think that's the 19th. He's going to Virginia. And then the 26th, or excuse me, I did this, the same thing I did last time. It's okay. Live radio, everybody. Uh, Georgetown, he'll be at on November 19th, and then Virginia, he'll be at on November 26th, which is the day after Thanksgiving for an official visit. And then that next week, when UNC hosts Michigan, he'll be back in the Smith Center um, for his third trip since June. So he took an unofficial visit in June, uh, about two weeks after getting the UNC offer, and then he took an official visit in October, and then this will be his second unofficial visit uh, to UNC. Um yeah, I mean, he is kind of, uh, you talk about kids blowing up over the last four, four or five months. Uh, he's another one who's gone from, you know, ranked in the, the 40s and 30s to now kind of a consensus top 10 kid. So, um, and I think North Carolina is in, in really good shape with him. Um, it's just a matter of kind of figuring out um, how his recruitment is going to go. Is it something that they want to end soon? Or do they want to kind of regroup after these next couple of visits and then decide on taking more visits, um, you know, in the spring as a junior? So we'll, we'll see where that goes. I can't imagine how tough that is, especially with your father being a pastor, knowing that you've got somewhere you absolutely have to be on Sundays, like how working out those trips and, and getting around, but still, you know, wanting to, to have your family, to whatever extent they're able, be a part of your, your visits. That's um, Oh, and, that's and he's the drummer, too, and he sings, too, so. You know, you can't you can't have church service without a drummer. So. Hey, shout out to church drummers as, as, <laughs> as, as somebody who was one many many moons ago. Shout out to church drummers. <laughs> hey, um, I also pick up a little bit of a trend too. I mean, you said he's been back to he's this will be you know he's had multiple return trips to Chapel Hill. It's really nice, and I think it's one of the cool benefits that these uh, these these blue chip recruits get of of being able to come to the Smith Center and watch what is going to be a great game between North Carolina and Michigan uh, as part of the the ACC. I guess it's the ACC Big Ten Challenge, if that's still a thing this year. Um, so we will look to see more from you there. Uh, is there anybody else on the radar right now that you feel like is it, it could could get an offer or is even worth considering at this moment as we sit in in early November? Yeah, I think they they are laser focused right now on the season. Of course, they'll do some recruiting, but I would expect it to be fairly quiet. And I'm knocking on wood because every time me or Ben say, "Oh, it's going to be a quiet week," craziness <laughs> happens. Um, so after we finish this show, right? yeah, exactly. So I I would say you know they'll they'll take visits. They'll still still go and see kids and, and watch them play. But I don't expect any major movement other than you know just kind of watching out. And seeing what happens with Gigi. Um, right. Mattis Bazelis, who was another top 10 kid, has talked about potentially taking a visit to UNC, but that hasn't materialized yet. And then uh, Isaiah Collier, who was a, a point guard target, uh, cut UNC from his list. Uh, Kanan Carlisle, someone who UNC looked at but never offered, 
um, also came out with a top list and, and didn't include UNC. Uh, Robert Dillingham, who at one point was seeming, seemingly strong UNC lead, also came out with a top five and it didn't list UNC. So the only guard left other than Wiltshire, um, <clears throat> who hasn't eliminated UNC, is Lyndon Johnson. Um, he's uh, out of Georgia and he had planned to take a UNC uh, official visit. Um, actually, I can I guess I can let the cat out of the bag. It was supposed to be this coming weekend, mm-hmm. um, but I, I haven't been able to follow up with him and, and see if that's still happening. I assume it's not because of the Wiltshire commitment, but we don't know uh, for sure. All right. Well, that lays it out, and it's. Uh, I think I, I hear your I hear your potential relief in some of these kids taking themselves off of UNC's board and heading elsewhere or whatever. I I do think it, it at least for our listeners it helps them understand. Who is and is not in the crosshairs for uh, potential recruiting for UNC and Hubert Davis's staff? It's Gigi Jackson right now. That's that's the focus, 100. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, it's nice, nice and clean and, and, and neat. Uh, Sean, you want to tell us a little bit about what you've seen in Gigi's game? I'm assuming you've had a chance to watch um, some of his quote unquote tape. Uh, what can you tell us about Gigi other than the fact that he's incredibly athletic and absolutely jumps off the screen at you, nearly literally, because of his athleticism? Well, I, I mean, he, he's a lot of fun to watch because, you know, he's he's got the size, he's got the length, but, you know, here he is, you see him, you know, in, in the fall fall games, you know, hitting hitting threes, uh, you know, ball, you know, bring the ball up the court. Um, so it's, it's definitely not surprising to see his jump in the rankings. Um, you know, once again, he's going to have kind of a, an increased role and increased focus, you know, especially defensively, um, you know, come, going into his junior season. But for him, I mean, once again, it's just, it's just trying to see, you know, that consistency from, from outside, obviously he's a big man that can shoot, uh, but he, he's extremely talented. Um, and, and he's definitely one of the, I'd say more, one of the more fun players to watch within that, within that class. All right, guys, let's wrap up the show here. I want to talk a little bit about this North Carolina team that's on the hardwood that officially unofficially or unofficially officially, however you want to phrase it, started with an exhibition this past Friday night against Elizabeth city state. And I want to kind of throw you guys some short answer here, um, assuming you've had a chance to see the game now. I, I think, Sherelle, you were, you were in the house, weren't you? I watched it. Okay. All muted. Right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> watch the game muted. Well done, sir. Um, I want to see what you guys think, having seen that exhibition game. Again, it's an exhibition against a, uh, against a Division II team. Not much to take from it. I do love the fact that you know, North Carolina is continuing to play um, – schools from within the state for these exhibition games but Sean was there anything that you saw that was unexpected from the the scrim or the exhibition game against uh, Elizabeth City State on Friday um you know I wouldn't say unexpected um I did like how they came out the first five minutes and and had 14 points pretty pretty quickly um you know I like the the passing around the perimeter from the four out um I think you know it's going to Early on, Kerwin uh, caught the ball in the left corner, had an easy driving lane. He, you know, he got blocked. Maybe it was a foul, but if he's able to kind of make some moves off the dribble, usually you see on defense it was UNC kind of running around crazy, trying to trying to always catch that next pass that they got out of position. But you know, I, I think there's going to be numerous opportunities for that you know third or fourth player who's catching that pass to be able to drive strong to the basket. Um, you know, I think just in terms of of other, you know, once again, not unexpected, but still just seeing 
RJ and Caleb, um, you know, how they operate. Obviously, a big improvement is expected for both of them, but I think it's still going to take, it's not going to happen, you know, right off the bat against Loyola. It's going to be a, a steady, steady process, especially with, with RJ seemingly to have, you know, more ball handling um, control than, than he did last year. So I still think there's going to be a lot of kinks that will be hopefully worked out through the season. You know, you saw some good with them and, and then some things that looked familiar uh, as, as last year. So once again, with, with really three games to, to build up until that Purdue point, definitely don't expect it to be a, you know, flawlessly executed system, but hopefully you can see that improvement from last year and then kind of a game by game improvement. Cheryl, what, what about you, man? Did you see uh, anything that you didn't expect to see in the Elizabeth city state game? Yeah. The eight man rotation in the first half really caught me off guard um one because we've been watching Roy Williams for 17 years and <laughs> in an exhibition game he's got to play 17 people in the first half if he has right. 17 people on the bench right um so that was that was different but I, I I it makes sense you're 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 putting in a new system um you're gonna have multiple guys who've never played together before do so you want to get you know kind of a, a core rotation as much time together against live opponents as possible so it, it makes sense it was just kind of surprising um and then I, I just thought it was apropos that the first shot the first made shot in the exhibition <laughs> yeah. in the Hubert Davis era was uh someone from the transfer portal Gar Dustin Garcia hitting a corner three a big it man like, hitting a corner yeah, three yes it was like okay this is we're we're officially in a new era um so uh the, the rotation surprised me it was good to see everybody kind of get in um there in the second half but um yeah, that was the biggest thing, I think. I, it just caught me off guard because kept waiting and waiting. Like, okay, when is he going to put in the freshman? Or when is Justin McCoy going to get in? When is Leakey going to get in? Yeah. And it was really just, you know, uh, those those eight guys there in the first half, pretty pretty strong. You know, we talked about it when you and I spoke with uh, Jawad and Dewey uh, recently on the, the Letterman's preview for the season. But I do think seeing that rotation that, that Hubert Davis was using – speaks more to the fact that if you're going to have an, uh, an offense that relies more on shooters, you need to give those guys a chance to develop a rhythm more. And I think that's exactly what he was kind of doing, all, at least on Fridays. Like, put those guys out there, let those guys stay, and to your point, which is a good one, let them get comfortable with each other. And then by the same token, you know, if somebody's on fire, you're not going to take them out. And I think you'll probably see that a little more, which will be one of the things that will be different between this staff and, and the previous staff under Roe Williams. Um, I'm with you. I had the same reaction about the first first basket being a, a Dawson Garcia corner three. At least for my two cents, something that fans can probably look for is it's so easy to see the differences. You know, you heard the word spacing a thousand times uh, between April and now. And I think it's one of the things that, that fans can see the most easily looking at this team and looking at what this offense is going to look like is, you know, you can say four out, one in all you want, but until you actually see it on the court and see there's – oh, wow, there really is more space in between each player and thus in between each defender for, for the offense to facilitate things. It's, um, it's market. It's a very market difference. And I, I would love to say that um, that might be something that hopefully will continue to, continue to be a, a thing of beauty. Uh, last thing I'll say, and I, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on it at all, um, I think the fact that North Carolina is relying more on shooting, perimeter shooting, um, the fact that they have more shooters on the roster is going to be helpful because if you think about how many times we did the show last year and if Kerwin Walton wasn't, wasn't hitting outside shots, UNC's shooting percentage was just deplorable, just, you know, 
putrid, horrid, all of those words. And even when Kerwin Walton was hitting, it was still sometimes in the 20s. I do think the fact that they have more shooters on the team now could lend them to having uh, a better hedge, I guess, uh, if you have someone with an off night. And Sean, I, do, you, is, do, you feel like that's the, do you feel like that's too simplistic, or do you feel like that's actually probably one of the reasons Hubert Davis has recruited so many shooters? No, I mean, I, yeah, the more shooters you have, the more threats on offense. Um, as you said last year, it was Kerr and Walton, and then, you know, you were it was kind of up in, up in the air. Um, and then you, you throw in really playing the two centers at once throughout the, the majority of the game, and it, it made just life tough, you know, really the last two years, the lack of shooting. So, you know, the more outside shooters, especially having a big man that can shoot. And then, you know, I think that just will open it up for Armando even more, who – I mean, last year had a, a dominant season on a permanent basis. And I think, you know, if he gets a defender one-on-one, he's going to have a field day, um, you know, down, down, down in the paint. So I think with that, you know, just it'll be interesting to monitor the offensive rebounding. You know, how does that look compared to, to years past um, in terms of, you know, extending possessions and getting, getting possessions. And then in terms of shooters, once again, going back to the guards, can they hit at a, you know, I'm not saying 40% clip, but can they just hit at a, at a respectable, respectable, consistent clip? I think it's once again, going to be a big, big question. Sherelle, I want to ask you, uh, if you could, if you could uh, sum up for us what you think Roy Williams's reaction would have been with Armando Baycott taking a three in rhythm on secondary, <laughs> uh, what, what that, what that reaction would have been had he been the coach versus you know, what actually happened uh, in the Smith on Friday night. It's too cold out here for me to take my jacket off and slam it <laughs> onto the ground. But <laughs> I think, I think that might would have got a, a jacket or a score table, uh scores table smack, right. or maybe a glasses, like hand them to Steve Robinson yes. type deal. One, one of those three. Yeah, um, but there's the Kirsch or Robinson. That's a good point. Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Hebert Davis since since the beginning, we he's been telling people like, "Hey, everybody has to make a thousand threes a week if we're going to be a good shooting team. We're going to be a good shooting team." And you know, they're they're doing it. Obviously, you know, they as to use a Roe Williams term, they were more talented than the team that they played sure. on Friday. Um, but uh, you know, nine for twenty one, I think they were. They'll they'll take that every game. I think they were plus twenty one on the boards. If they go nine for twenty one and are plus twenty one, you know it's going to be a long season in a good way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, it was good seeing that rebounding was, was still big because I, th- that worried me a little bit mm-hmm. as someone whose sensibilities were, were fashioned by coach Smith and, and Roy Williams, you know, rebounding is, is huge. Um, so it, we're still going to have to get our mind around it. There's going to be a game where they hit 15 threes and get out rebounded by five and win. And it's going to, it's going to break our minds because we're just not used to it. Um, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it is that it still seems like it's, it's a major emphasis. And honestly, outside of the, the, um, you know, the spacing with the four and and maybe uh, allowing the big guys to shoot a little bit, it didn't look terribly different. You know, it it was like, he's, He's been, yeah, he's been saying it's, it's a tweak. It's a renovation, that kind of deal. And that's pretty much what I saw, just a, a little slight tweak, and they're still playing, you know, what's considered Carolina basketball. So that that was, as someone who's grown up on it and watched it and covered it, that was, uh, I guess, in a way comforting almost mm-hmm. to know that it was still similar. Okay, last question. I'll let you guys both go. Sherelle, I'm going to hit you with it first, and then, Sean, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you wrap us up. How long do we see the Caleb Love, R.J. Davis backcourt last? Do we think that's going to be 
uh, it for a while because we've seen the NBA likes to have multiple guys that can handle the ball. Uh, Hubert's shown a, a little bit of a proclivity for more of an NBA style. Um, could we potentially see something like a Marcus Page, Joel Berry uh, reboot in, in Caleb Love and R.J. Davis? And I'm not going to call him R.J. Barrett. I'm going to call him R.J. Davis because that's his name. Sherelle, what do you think? Yeah, I think barring injury, it's here to stay. Um, you know, as long as those two are healthy, I think they'll be the starting backcourt. You know, the way the only thing that could change that is if either Justin McCoy or Leaky Black really um, showed a lot in practice um, and showed that in addition to being able to, to stop people defensively, in addition to being good passers, that they got also shoot from the wing very confidently, um, then maybe, you know, Hubert Davis has a conversation. But um, I think he loves R.J. Davis. You know, you got to remember he was the lead recruiter for R.J. Davis. So right. it's someone that he he saw a lot. Um, and I'm sure he knows he knows him just a little bit better than the rest of the roster. Um, so between those two, Caleb and R.J., I, I would assume that's going to be them for the rest of the season. I think you can pencil in those three. Um, I, I'll just I'll leave it at the backboard. I think you can pencil that in for the rest of the season. Yes. Sean, what does having R.J. Davis and Caleb Love on the floor do for North Carolina other than the obvious, which is provide two good ball handling threats, you know, to put pressure on a defense. What does that do for the Tar Heel offense, you know, as far as, as how it might change the scoring or it might change the philosophy? I mean, I, I think it allows them to keep, you know, the transition numbers high. Um, it allows them to keep the, you know, the pressure on the defense with, with really the big man being able to outlet to um, two opportunities in order to, to push the break. Um, and then, you know, in the half court set, uh, obviously very different skill sets and, and kind of approaches, but I think kind of the, the, the differences between the two, um, you know, lend themselves to, to having hopefully an efficient offense. Uh, my, my one concern is just going to be, you know, in terms of role, um, you know, how does, and not just for the guards, but in general across the, the team and the bench of, you know, how do players kind of settle into roles? I think last year we saw. Caleb and RJ starting out together. And then it was more, you know, Caleb was the guy with RJ coming off the bench. Um, and I think that'll be interesting, especially if Caleb is playing off, off the ball more and, you know, does that make him more efficient and more of a scoring threat or does he feel a little more marginalized and, and now it's, you know, RJ is kind of almost being the top dog. So I think that's going to be, you know, for me, just something to monitor of, of how does that progress over, you know, the first, first few games and then really into that you know non-conference that non-conference season well and it'll definitely be fun to watch I think the the main thing a lot of folks are are going to pay attention to this season is how are the minutes divvied up amongst this roster how do you take care of those different skill sets the personalities on the team and that's going to be tough for a first year head coach regardless of how much experience that he has beside him on the bench all right guys uh Tuesday night uh hosting Loyola in the Smith Center and then a late night with Brown uh, coming down from from the Ivy uh, to be able to play against the Tar Heels on a Friday evening, uh, you know, real games. I mean, it's it's hard to believe. I know we've I know we've kind of sat around and scratched our heads and talked about how much happened over the summer, and it's true. But uh, we're actually talking about real basketball here. So thankful for you guys being here. Looking forward to another season alongside of you. Uh, appreciate you guys sharing all the knowledge and the insight that you have. As always, Inside Carolina readers and subscribers can get all of the goodness from Sean and Sherrill whenever it posts. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you're getting your podcast, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review 
only five star reviews. We don't have time for all that other garbage. If you have if you have other opinions that aren't five star reviews, let us know directly. And we'll try to get that fixed for you. Um, but we appreciate uh, everybody being here and listening tonight. Sean, Sherelle, I appreciate you guys being here. I'm Joey Powell. This has been another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Special shout out to John Siegley for producing, and thank you to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring us as always. We will talk to you guys next time on the Coast to Coast on InsideCarolina.com. Late. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.